Good morning. It's good to see you here this morning. Uh, we're looking at <clears throat> our plans for the year ahead. And um, what, what I'm trying to do in this series just last week and this week is connect the dots between what Scripture says uh, about growing and then uh, what we're planning to do. We've got some changes coming. Most of the changes revolve around the grow area of church life. Uh, it's interesting. I took, I took a, it's called Strengths Finder 2.0. I took this uh, test this week. You read this book and you have an access code. You go online, you answer all these questions, and it tells you things about yourself that you may or may not know. And I always hesitate to take these things because generally I take these tests and they tell me I really shouldn't be doing the job that I'm doing. And so the next day I just want to cash it in, call it quits, and find something else to do. But um, number one strength for me is harmony. Okay, that's, that's, that's honestly good because <clears throat> in church, one of the main pictures of church life is it's a family, Okay. Harmony is really good for family. The problem is a stronger image of the church in Scripture is that it's an army. Okay, harmony, not that great to lead an army. I mean, you've got to be focused on other things, not just let's all sing, kumbaya, and enjoy. So anyway, that was my number one. My number two was belief. may not surprise you, uh, but a person who's, who has a belief talent uh, needs to find a job that lines up with their values and so that they can do a job because they're not going to just do a job to do a job. They want to do something that really lines up with what they really think matters in life. I thought, hey, I'm okay, I'm in the right place there. <laughs> At least I'm doing that. But I was thinking about that right before I got up here, and I thought, you know, the reason I talk about the stuff I do every week and the reason I'm... Honestly, a lot of the things, as the church has grown, a lot of the things I do, it feels like I'm writing with the wrong hands. very uncomfortable uh, to lead an organization the size that, that I lead. For me, it's, I'm, just, I'm really not natively wired to do it. I've, I've learned how to do it because I'm motivated to do that. But the thing that motivates me to do what I do really is that I know what I'm talking about here on Sunday mornings and what I'm trying to lead the congregation to do makes a tremendous difference in the lives of people. Not only does it completely change their eternal destiny, if you turn around and commit your life to follow Christ, your eternity is secure. But also, as you learn to follow Christ, as you learn to work out that salvation that you have in your everyday life, man, life gets good. It really does. It gets better and better and better. So at least I'm in the right job there, and I'm doing the right thing, because as we talk about these things, today we're going to look at how God grows us. How, how does he begin to change us? Last week, we began to look at that, and I want to review some things today and then and then move on. But as we look at that, God has made a a real difference in my everyday life. This is not just pie in the sky. This is not something you save for later. But God has really changed me. And so some of the stuff I'm sharing with you this morning is based on that. And everything lines up. So anyway, last time we looked at how real progress in church life is measured. 
God's looking at what's going on in church. And this is, these are two major things that he wants to see happening. First of all, he wants to see that members grow to maturity. He wants to see that we're growing more and more mature in our relationship to the Lord every, every day. Uh, actually, don't, don't look every day. That would be discouraging probably. Try to take every decade. Look back. <laughs> you know, really, from today to tomorrow, sometimes I don't see the changes. But if I look at a year, maybe I see some changes there. Um, but anyway, he wants us to grow. And we measure our growth. We looked at last week how we measure our growth by the standard of Christ. He's the spiritual measure that we measure ourselves against. We're not grading ourselves on a curve compared to everybody else who's trying to follow Christ. We measure ourselves against his life, what we know of his character, his values, the things that are important to him. And that's how we gain wisdom and where we're at and what we need to grow, how we need to grow, where we need to change and all of that. But we also looked at how leaders in church life, the staff and the leaders, our role is to equip and prepare the members for the ministry. We do ministry, but also we're assigned to equip and prepare others for ministry, those who've signed on to be a part of church life, commit to membership. Um, and then all of us practice the truth. We, we live the truth. We're soaking it in. We're trying to live it. We're trying to think it. We're trying to speak it. We're trying to actually live it out in the way that we live. And then finally, everybody is supposed to do their part. You, you have a unique role that only you can play in this church body. You have a role that you know God wants you to play as, as he connects you, as you connect, as you commit to church life. You have some things that only you can do. And he wants all of the parts of the body to do their part and to contribute. Second major thing that God wants is he wants more and more people to join us in following Christ. We need to be including people, open to including as many, many people as want to follow Christ when Encourage them to do that. And like I said, my, my values need to be in, you know, lining up with what I do for a living. I, I know that Jesus is the, the only way to connect with God. And as you do, your life really turns around. You, you really find goodness in all areas of your life. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to grow uh, and include more and more people to join us in following Christ, just like we looked at Matthew and Andrew last week, how they invested in the people around them and they invited them to follow Christ as well. And that's what we do. So one of the things we do is we have what we call invest and invite events. And next week we have uh, a new message series. We try to have message series that uh, really speak to the needs of people so that we can invite those who may not know Christ, may not be following him, uh, we can invite them to come and hear how he makes a difference in different areas of their life. So next week's one of those. We have Survivor Family coming up. And uh, it's not just going to be about family life. That's going to be the context. But you'll also learn just how the Lord makes a difference in all relationships as, as we connect with him, commit our lives to follow him. And begin to move on. Then after that, I'm doing another series that I think will be very helpful for people that really meet some needs. It's called Fear, What's Gripping You? And we're going to look at, I don't know about you, but I deal with fear. I'll, I'll admit it to you right now. Um, 
that we used to sing a song. There's an old song that has a line in it that says, all fear is gone. I won't sing it for you. I'll spare you. But it, it, it's, a, it's a hymn. It was a hymn. It was sort of a new song at the time. But one of the lines said, all fear is gone. And it was sort of a reference to Christ. A friend of mine used to say, well, all fear is going. <laughs> it's really not gone. It's there. We have to deal with it. So we're going to look at, at how the Lord helps us deal with our fears. Uh, we're going to start with the fear of death. We're just going to stare it down, talk about how the Lord helps us deal with that one. Uh, fear of insignificance, the fear of failure, the fear of the economy, um, and the uh, fear of betrayal. So we're going to look at different fears that we have and how God helps us deal with those because the enemy... Satan wants to use us, use those fears to just get us all in a frenzy and off track in terms of following God. But if we can respond in faith, God will really help us through, through that. So those things are coming up. Those are the two major things that God wants to see happen in church life. Most of the new things that are going on this year, uh, the changes and the new things that are coming up, have to do with the grow area. They have to do with the maturity area, uh, because as we've looked at what's going on, we've had a heart to really do some things differently that would be a blessing to you all and, and help you grow in your walk with the Lord. So in this message, what I want to do is take a look at how we grow and what we will be doing as a church and as leaders to help people grow. So we're going to start with God's role in growth. First of all, Philippians 2, 13, I alluded to this last week. It says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So this is this has been very reassuring to me. Verse 12 says that we're to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, which the idea is you have salvation. You have eternal life. Now your role in growth is to work it out, to figure out what difference does that make in my everyday life and the way that I handle my relationships, the way I deal with my money and job and all that kind of stuff. Um, But verse 13 says, for it is God who's working in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So what happens in growth, spiritual growth is God gets things started. He keeps them going and he will wrap up our character training process when we see him face to face. So God is, he has the major role in our growth. He's making it happen. It all starts, continues, and ends with him. And the interesting thing is life is the curriculum that God uses. Look at Romans 8, 28, 29. You may be familiar with these verses. Um, but 29 clues us in as to where we're going, what God wants to do. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn of many brothers. So there it is again. Jesus is the measure for our spiritual growth. He God wants us to be conformed to his image. He wants us to be more and more like him in the way that we relate to our families, in the way that we handle our work, in the way that we go about every part of life. He wants us to become more and more like him. So the question is, the core question in growth is, how do I measure up to Jesus? Not how do I measure up to the people around me, but how do I measure up to him? And it's 
That's how you stay on track. You get to know Jesus and who he was, what's important to him, what he wants, and you try to measure up to, to him. You, you, here's another interesting thing that you can pull out of this passage. You can figure out where God is working in your life to grow you by paying attention to where the pressure is or the challenge. If you want to change the shape of something, what do you do? You put it under pressure. You squeeze it or you, you, you know, put it in a machine that applies a tremendous amount of pressure and changes the shape. That's how it is with our heart. Our hearts, once, you, once you're an adult, pretty much your heart only changes under pressure. And so the great thing about God, you're going to have pressure in your life either way, whether you're walking with God or not. But if you're walking with God, he takes the pressure and he uses it to make you a different person. One who is more like him that brings his blessing into every area of your life. That, that's a good thing about following God. So don't think, if, if you're walking with the Lord, don't think, or if you're thinking about walking with God, considering committing your life to Christ, you know what? I'm going to wait. I'm really under the gun right here. I've got a lot going on. And as soon as the pressure lets up, I'm going to follow God. See, God, in the middle of the pressure right now, he wants to shape you. He wants to help you develop a new reflex. And he wants you to, to help you. He wants to help you choose a new kind of response that you haven't had before. And the only way you'll learn how to do that is you're in the middle of the pressure Say, God, help me. I need your help. I need your perspective. You, you live it, and then you look at Christ, you look at the scriptures, and you say, well, at least this is what I say. You know, that wasn't quite right, right, what I did there, what I said. Okay, I'm going to adjust. I'm going to get more in line with what he wants. I'm going to give it a shot anyway. God, help me to do that. Then you go again. And through practice, you learn. You grow mature. That's what Hebrews 5.14 says. You grow to maturity as you train yourself by practice to do what God wants you to do. So um, in the middle of the pressure that you're experiencing right now, trust God and ask him to help you to learn a new way. We have some old habits that are hard to break. I do, and I'm, I'm sure you do as well. So uh, that's God's role in growth. That's what he's doing. The church also has a role in group growth, and it's important as you go through the pressure to have examples and encouragers around you that can really help uh, gain God's perspective. And that's one of the ways that the church helps. So let's, let's look at the role of the church in our growth. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. We looked at this last week. I'm just going to refer to this uh, because it, it tells us that God gave leaders, and some of the leaders are apostles, People who start stuff, they're sent out to start things. Some are prophets. They, they tell the truth. They speak the truth in the situation. Everybody goes, you know, that is exactly right. What he's saying there. Um, that's what a prophet does. An evangelist helps people come to know Christ. They share the message, help people come to know him. Pastors or shepherds, which are really leaders, uh, and teachers. So God's given us leadership and he's given the leadership to the church and their role is to prepare God's people for the works of service for the ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up again until we all reach the unity of faith 
and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Maturity is where we're headed here. This is what God wants to develop in us. Attaining to the measure and the fullness of Christ. We measure against him. And then in verse 16, if we skip down, it says, From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So <clears throat> I bring that up because as we move into the new year, we have some things coming up at, at CIV where the staff is going to be working to equip you and to prepare you to live biblically and to make your unique contribution to the church and the mission and the body. So here, here's some new opportunities. In, in your program, I just want to look at these real quick, these brochures. Uh, there are a couple of brochures. One of them says Vantage Point. Uh, Vantage Point is a larger meeting of no more than 70 or 80 people where there's going to be 45 minutes to an hour of teaching. And uh, in, in this time, what the teacher is going to be doing, Nathan Lewis is going to teach one, I'm going to teach one. And what we're going to be working on basically is um, how to live out God's perspective on life in, in all arenas. Uh, we've been friend friend of mine, actually, my mentor. He's been, he did a study on what the Bible, what God's perspective is on success. So what scriptures say about genuine success in life. And that's defined as not just things going good here on the earth, but things going really well for eternity, on through eternity. So how do you find God's blessing now and through eternity? He did 15 years of work on this, and then after that, he started doing some seminars. Well, several of us have gone back to the seminars. I think I've been going to these seminars for, for 12 years or so. And um, what Harold did, Harold Bullock, he's my mentor, what he did is he went to Scripture and he pulled this framework out of Scripture that really helps you make the right kind of progress in every arena of your life as you learn to follow God in it. And so this has provided a framework for me. So what these meetings are all about is we're going to be teaching through the scriptures related to wisdom and, and the right understanding of God and how it affects different ways. And again, my job lines up with my values. <laughs> and so I know this will really be helpful. It's been on my heart for some time. How can we roll this stuff out? How can I help teach this? How can we begin to teach this to people so they can find the same kind of blessing that I have? Because I have made some real progress in some key areas of my life. And after the first service, one of the guys who's a business guy, he said, you know, it's interesting. He's been going. He was at the first seminar that Harold ever did a long time ago. And he said, if I hadn't been operating my business in line with the principles that I've learned, we would be in real trouble now in this in this economy. He's a, he's the leader of a, a store, or he's the CEO of a of a business a store, and he said, "Boy, if I hadn't exercised prudence over the years, we would be in trouble. If I hadn't changed to get in line with the way God does things." And what you what we found is, as we learn to live in line with Scripture and the way God's designed things, is boy, there's real blessing. Um, look at the the flap. The topics will include attitudes for success, communication, dealing with trouble, decision-making, finances, 
relating to authority, relationships, and work. Um, Some of the things that have really helped me, I'll just share a couple. I've got a bunch listed here, but for the sake of time, I can't share everything. Uh, A couple of things that really helped me is learning to respond to trouble in the right way so that it minimizes the negative impact of it. You know, trouble happens. Stuff goes on. How do I respond in a way that's going to minimize the negative impact and maximize the positive impact that God wants to have in that? Uh, Learning to focus on what's going to be prudent. There are three dimensions to wisdom. Righteousness, justice, and prudence. When, when, you, when you're dealing with a situation, uh, my natural, I'm, I'm the baby in my family, so my natural reflex is I'm just, I just want to do what I want. And usually the world has swirled around me to allow me to do that as I was growing up. So one of the big shifts for me in my growing up here is not to ask that question, but to learn. Wisdom asks these questions. What is righteous? What is right before God in this situation? What is just? How can I do justice? What I can do? How do I do right before the people who are involved? And then what is prudent? What is the best plan and and the wisest way to go about this? And as I've tried to apply that over the last several years, boy, what a difference it's made. That's what the business guy was talking about. Um, Another little thing is you read in Proverbs, you know, it says, as, as you set your heart to grow in wisdom, which is what Colossians 1.28 says we, we need to be teaching and learning, it, it just, life gets better all over. Like, a simple thing is, Proverbs 27.14 says, don't bless your neighbor loudly in the morning because they're going to take it as a curse. Okay, I, I read that, and I tend, like I said, you know, I like, I'm my, frame, my own best frame of reference. <laughs> So I get up in the morning, I'm loud, I walk into the room, you know, I get into work, hey, what's happened, how's it going, if I happen to be excited about something. And everybody's going, oh, what is his problem, man? He needs to just, if he could just keep it down, I'd really appreciate it. I'm trying to wake up. You know, even a blessing is taken as a curse if you do that. The point is this, your reference point should not be yourself, but it should be what the other person's going through. You should show consideration in trying to figure out where they're at and then start from there, and then maybe you can get a chance to share where you're at. Well, that's made a big difference in my relationships. I haven't done it perfectly. I'm not batting a thousand. But boy, I'm making progress. So those are the kind of things that we're going to be looking at in Vantage Point. Um, they're going to start in October. Pray for locations. We're looking for locations where we have a solution, I think, for most areas. But there's going to be um, two in this area that will be meeting. One's going to be meeting here, and we're deciding on the other location. Um, Nathan Lewis is going to lead that one, and then I'm going to teach one here, and also I'm going to teach one in the Monterey Park, Alhambra area out there. So um, these are coming up. That's what Vantage Points is all about. If you're involved in a community group right now, uh, that group will meet twice a month, and the Vantage Points will meet twice a month. So you'll alternate with Vantage Point and your small group. Um, another thing that's coming up are Discover classes. There's another brochure, Growing at CIV. And you can read about these. These are overview seminars that cover key areas of growth and ministry. Uh, the first one, 201. 
uh, talks about four spiritual habits that we all need to develop in order to grow. And uh, the second one, 301, talks about uh, how we're all wired differently. helps you discover your spiritual gift, uh, how God has put your heart together. He's given you a heart for specific things and um, the abilities you have, the personality. Shape is an acronym. The abilities that God's given you, your personality he shaped, and then the experiences that you have as well. Uh, that, that will really help you begin to understand how you can make your unique contribution in a church body. And then 401 is discovering my mission. Um, what, are op- what are the opportunities for uh, sharing Christ with people? And what is the mission that God has assigned us? How can we make a significant impact on the world? So these are designed to be uh, taken in order. So 101 is membership, discovering my, uh, discovering CIV. And so if you go to 101, become a member, then you can go to 201, which opens the doorway to grow groups. Don't worry about those. They're coming up after the first of the year. Uh, and then 301 uh, opens the door to team leadership if you'd like to take more and more responsibility in church life. That's what's required. And then 401, uh, 301 opens the door for 401 as well. But we're doing this because we want we want to have uh, a fund of perspective that we're all operating on as we try to accomplish our mission. As Alex said earlier, joining a church is not like joining a country club. It's more like joining a team where we're trying to accomplish something. We're trying to pull together. So these classes are really help begin to shape some perspective on those things. If you have questions, write them down on the connection card and let us know. Drop it in the offering. Another class that's coming up after the first year is called Foundations. And this is a 24-week class, so you really got to be interested in this uh, to do it. And we're not expecting everyone to do this. Get involved at your own pace. Uh, we, we hope this is helpful to the people who get involved. If you're a part of Christian Challenge, you've got stuff on campus. I wouldn't worry about hopping in on all this stuff. Um, but talk to Neil or a staff member, and you can find out what, what there is. There's stuff related to each of these areas on campus. But Foundations is a 24-week course, so it's a little more stout uh, than four hours. All the other classes are four hours. But we're going to look at 11 topics of theology, sort of lay a groundwork uh, for biblical thinking, which really will help leadership. And then it also gives you pegs to hang the truth on that you're learning in the Bible. And it allows you to have a, a sieve to sift the wrong ideas out as you learn what Scripture says. So those are things that are coming up specifically. We have a role in growth as a church, and I take that seriously. Our role is to equip you, to prepare you to do the ministry. And so these things are coming up to prepare you for ministry and for life, the way that God's wired it together, not the way that we uh, would like it to be. So finally, we looked at God's role in growth, the church's role in growth. Let's look at our own role in growth. And Paul wrote that down. God had him write it out for us in Philippians 3, 12 through 15. It should be A. It says B, I think. I put B down there. But anyway, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He's been talking about uh, uh, 
having a relationship with Christ, growing spiritually, becoming more mature. So he's saying, you know, I'm not there yet. I haven't arrived. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to taken, have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of these things. So he's just described how a mature person approaches spiritual growth. And it involves three things. Humility, commitment, and determination. That's what it takes to grow. First of all, humility. Philippians 3.12 says, this is a message. It's a real modern translation. I'm not saying that I have all this together, that I have made it, or that I have it made. But I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Paul had been a Christian 30 years when he wrote this passage. So he hadn't arrived yet. If you think you've arrived, you're sadly mistaken, <laughs> is what's going on there. Because we'll never arrive till the day we meet Jesus face to face. Then we're going to be like him. So that means... We've got to be patient with ourselves. We've got to accept God's acceptance. One of the things that allows us to grow is the fact that God loves us just like we are. He accepts you and I just like we are. Now, he wants us to make progress in our walk with him, and he wants us to change and be more and more like him. But there is a bottom line acceptance and love that he has. So Paul knows this. He could say, you know, I, I haven't. I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm not perfect, but I'm well on my way. I'm working on it. He's not perfect, but he is mature, and he's growing in his relationship with Christ. We've got to do the same thing. Be humble. Admit where we are and try to learn as we move forward. Second thing required is commitment. 13 says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead and then he goes on, I press on toward the goal. But the, here's some key thoughts out of here. Uh, he forgets the past. You know, if you've done well in the past, that can slow you down in the future. If you have some really hard times, some things that have hurt you and wounded you, some disappointments, that can slow you down as well. You cannot do a sprint backwards. You just can't do it. So one of the keys to growing is forgetting the past and focusing on one priority. The one priority is this. I want to know Christ. Paul says it in verse 10. I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection. So here's how it works out practically. I, when you decide to follow Christ, what you're saying is, I'm going to choose one priority for my life. I want to figure out what that means for the way that I relate to my family. How, how would Jesus want me to act as a husband or a wife? How, how does he want me to relate at the job? How, how does he want me to work and, and do things in this? How does he want me to respond to this trouble? How, how would he want me to act on this date? Or how, how would he want me to uh, deal with my money? So that's the one priority. I focus on one thing. God, what do you want me to do here? And how can I begin to live that out? Jesus made two comments to two different people that were about the same thing. The rich young ruler, he was a very rich man, asked Jesus how he would inherit eternal life. 
And Jesus said, well, have you done the commandments? Have, have you done right? And the guy said, yeah, since my youth I've obeyed the commandments. And Jesus said, yeah, but one thing you lack. Sell everything you have and then come and follow me. Now, Jesus doesn't ask every, every one of us to sell it all. But he does ha- ask us to sign the deed over and say, you know, my house, my car, my bank account, God, it's all yours now. And I want, I want you to use me for your purpose. And so we have one priority, and that's the point he was making to the rich young guy. He also said something similar to Martha. Mary and Martha were friends of Jesus. He went to visit them. Picture I have, and I'm quite sure it wasn't a living room like my own, but that's the picture I have. <laughs> Jesus coming in, sitting at the couch, and Martha takes a seat in the living room. I mean, Mary takes a seat in the living room, and she's having a conversation. She's just enjoying the time with Jesus. And Martha's scurrying about in the kitchen. She's running around, straightening things up, making sure everything's all the details are taken care of, all the tasks are covered. And she complains to Jesus, Jesus, what is... Mary's just sitting there, and I'm doing all this work. And Jesus says, well, Martha, Mary has chosen what is better. Only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the best, and that's a relationship with me. And so he's making a point in two different ways. There's one priority in life. It sort of simplifies things, but it does make things more complex as well, as you try to figure out what that means. But you ask yourself, how can I please? You've got to be committed to that because there are all kinds of reasons you're going to come up with and that the world's going to come up with for not living for that priority. So growth requires commitment. It requires devotion to that thing. And it also requires determination. Uh, Verse 14 says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The picture here, this is a picture of an Olympic Games where there's a, a, a race, either a chariot race or a foot race, and there's a finish line. And what he's saying is, I keep my eye on the finish line, and I keep running toward that with everything I've got, and I'm not going to get off track. I'm going to stay focused on that. See, what God does is he makes the changes in us as we set our heart to follow with everything we've got. He begins to make the changes. So that's our role in growth. And so as we have laid things out uh, as a church, we, we'd love for you to get involved in whatever you're ready to get involved in. And there are some next steps that maybe you want to take specifically. They're on there. There may be some other things God's laid on your heart as I've been talking. But one of the steps you could take is forget the past and press on to grow in Christ. Maybe there's something in your past that you need to let go of. I want to encourage you, let go of it. If you're wounded, Jesus can heal it. Deal with it. Let it go. Figure out what it's going to take. We'd love to pray with you and help you with that. Another step is just attend, very practical step, attend the Vantage Point meeting to connect with others in CIV and learn. Uh, It's an opportunity just to come and hear the teaching and if, you, if you'd like, you could stay for discussion afterwards. But uh, let us know if you're interested by checking that box, and we'll email you the details. If we have your email, we'll keep you posted on where they're going to be and what, what time and, and uh, all of that. 
So those are some things you could do if God laid it on your heart to do them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for your word that instructs us, that helps us understand who you are and how you've made life to work. Help, help, help us, Lord, to live for that one priority, knowing you and figuring out what you want in our lives, in the way that we deal with things, in the attitudes we choose.